And welcome to HR Bytes, a podcast and video series to bring you stories of HR professionals who bring a think globally and act locally digital HR agenda to their work. Everyday people who are driving digital transformations in their organizations, data-driven and future-fit digital HR leaders. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast channels and watch us on YouTube and follow us on social as well. We are present on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and now on Threads. This is your host, Jay Polaki, and today's guest is Dr. Tomas Chamorro Pramujic. I hope I said that right, Dr. Tomas. <laughs> Welcome to HR. Very well, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. I am delighted to share your insights with the HR Bytes community today, and I'm very curious about the book that you've written um, called I Human. So I'd, I'd like to ask you to please briefly introduce yourself so our audience gets to know you a little bit, and then we'll jump right into our conversation. Of course, and thank you for having me. So I'm Dr. Tomas Chamorro Premusic. I'm a professor of business psychology at UCL and Columbia University and the chief innovation officer at Mampa Group. And my latest book is called I Human AI Automation and the Quest to Reclaim What Makes Us Unique. And it's a book that explores what I think has been a neglected or overlooked aspect of the AI age, namely humans. And what I try to do here is to kind of uh, think about what it means to be human in an age in which we can outsource our thinking, our creativity to machines, and how we need to rethink our behaviors, the way we work, live, and relate to others, to not just future-prove ourselves, but ensure that the AI age is indeed the human age. So the book came out, you know, more or less at the same time as OpenAI released ChatGPT, and it's getting a lot of attention because of that. People ask me, how did you know this would happen? I did not. You know, I've been working in this area for some time now. And even though it's not a book about ChatGPT, a lot of the stuff that is discussed is really thinking about the philosophical, practical, and behavioral implications of what this has for us and our society. Wonderful. Well, without further ado, I'd like to jump right into asking you, you wrote the book, and we're all talking about, you know, the importance of the, the human qualities and skills in this AI revolution that's happening all around us. So how should we be leveraging AI while, you know, keeping that human skill, human quality uh, in perspective, and then striking the right balance between technology and humanity? Yeah. So first, you know, I think um, we should individually experiment, check it out, try, you know, play with it to understand it from a practical and personal standpoint. And then, of course, when it comes to productivity and how we work, really think about the tasks that are not very rewarding, not very fulfilling, and that are low value activities, you know, things like a lot of our email exchanges, producing, you know, boring and tedious presentations, proposals. Um, I don't know about you. I love the autocomplete function of my email, mostly because 50% of the times when I'm emailing people, I just don't need to be very creative. And what I have to say is so predictable that I'm very happy that AI does that. And, you know, quite frankly, if there was an AI tool that emails for me, 
and then you have one that responds, you know, we could probably save 30 or 40% of our working time. The key is then to really reinvest that time that we save on things that are fulfilling, rewarding, or practical, or that can actually help us harness our talent and potential. And that's the part that I talk a lot about in my book and in my work, which is that it's probably an opportunity to focus more on harnessing the skills and qualities that AI is unlikely to emulate. Things like emotional intelligence. AI will probably win the IQ battle, but EQ will remain inherently and intrinsically human. Things like self-awareness, understanding ourselves, deep curiosity, not kind of fast food curiosity to find out, you know, who won the tennis tournament or, you know, what happened yesterday in this TV show, but actually going deeper to harness deep level of expertise and go beyond the type of information that people can retrieve for free using generative AI. And finally, of course, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for us not to try to become like machines. Everywhere, anywhere, there's a tendency for organizations and societies to try to make us humans more predictable, because if you can predict someone, you can manage them better and you can de-risk what they do. But actually, I think this creates a big opportunity for revaluing the magic of human serendipity, imperfection, and the unexpected. You know, when you go to a restaurant and you're dealing with the waiter or waitress and they're so scripted and so robotic in how they have to treat you and relate to you that you almost wonder, I wish that I knew the person, the human behind this robot-like individual that is interacting with me. I think we should apply that logic to every work and every job so that we can actually rehumanize work and harness the qualities that make us who we are deep down. Wonderful. But I did meet a robot at a restaurant in the Dubai Mall in the Burj Khalifa <laughs> that really told me I was beautiful, offered me a, a drink, a voucher, and asked me to come into the restaurant. <laughs> there you go. That's very hard to beat, I have to say. You know, in that sense, I mean, you know, but the good thing is that humans could do that as well. And I'm sure if you heard this from a human, it would feel more sincere and you would appreciate it even more. Perhaps. So, you know, we talk about this striking balance in the HR function as well, as we are being tasked in the HR function to drive organizational success while adopting AI and creating these workplaces that genuinely, humanly value and empower our human talent. How should we approach building AI into the human resources function specifically? And what is your advice for HR leaders as we prepare our function for this increased use of AI in our work? So I think my first advice is that they really develop some expertise. And that doesn't mean that they need to, you know, hire an army of AI experts, but actually still have HR professionals and people on the team who are data savvy who understand you know, how to interact with these tools and who are at least curious to develop the skills that are needed to integrate the different HR technologies that exist in a booming market, by the way. A lot of the companies that do this well actually have a good BS radar. You know, They're skeptical enough so they know what to ignore and they know how to disbelieve a lot of the claims that these new tech vendors make. But actually, at the same time, they have... Uh, you know, a mindset that values and actually um, focuses on a healthy degree of experimentation and trying things out. Nobody knows 
the answer or how to do this perfectly. But if you want to develop expertise, you have to try slowly and incrementally find better ways of being wrong. Um, I would say, you know, if you think about the main opportunity that AI presents, it's really to make organizations more meritocratic. If organizations want to be more talent-centric and more inclusive and diverse, it's very difficult to do this while relying on human intuition. It's far easier to do it if you actually have systems that are well-designed, well-tested, and of course, audited and you know regulated in a healthy and appropriate way that can actually find the hidden dynamic underpinning how we relate to each other and to tasks at work. So I think personally, you know, AI is a wonderful opportunity to increase diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, which are leadership problems, by the way, they're not HR issues. How? Well, by actually focusing on the value that people bring to a team and organization, by training these algorithms not to replicate what we have always had in the past, but actually to optimize for the soft skills and the behaviors that we need in the future. So, you know, humans are very good at learning things, but they're very bad at unlearning things, whereas AI learns well and it can unlearn very well. In a selection or recruitment process, for example, you can train algorithms to look for the relevant indicators of potential while ignoring things such as race, nationality, gender, age, attractiveness, social class, which humans are not good at doing. In fact, we can't. You know, If I were trying to ignore the fact that you seem female or of a certain nationality, and I would really only think about the fact that I must not pay attention to that, it would be impossible for me to focus on what you're actually saying, whereas an algorithm can actually do both things at the same time. So, so I think this is why AI is such a threat to the status quo, because if you have an X-ray-like machine that can help you go into an organization and expose the uncomfortable gap between how successful people are and how much value they're adding to the team or organization, a lot of people who are the status quo will freak out, and rightly so. And that's why there is a lot of backlash. You know? so I, I think the opportunity basically is to be more data-driven, and to be more data-driven is what you need if you want to be more meritocratic. Absolutely. And and that's a great uh, point you bring up because, you know, we are being asked today in, in businesses and at work to do a lot more with less. And in such scenarios, you know, the adoption of technology by HR teams for all aspects of our function is inevitable, if you ask me. So, so when we talk about accelerating an adoption, um, of technology, there's this digital mindset that we should be thinking about too. And, you know, you talked about it a little bit a while ago. How should we think about accelerating digital mindsets in our HR function and organizations, you know, creating that culture of innovation and a culture of learning and continuous learning in our organizations, which is so crucial for upskilling and reskilling? So very practical, you know, an important requirement is that HR leaders have buying at the top. You know, they need to really have alignment from the C-suite and their CEOs, ideally, to actually do this. If, if, if CEOs or C-suite executives treat digital transformation as a, as a kind of routine exercise where they need to upgrade systems and, you know, 
change their hardware or software to be in the cloud and pick that box and you know they see it as a cost saving technology upgrade like going from the iphone 12 to the iphone 13.5 then it makes no difference and it has no impact and is a future exit if c-suite executives and boards actually see this as an opportunity to become more rational data driven and more accurate in the decisions that are being made vis-a-vis clients employees customers the market etc then there's a big opportunity to actually push for this and really then it's about hiring the right people hiring people who are curious who are open to new experiences betting not so much on ready-made talent and senior um you know expertise but actually on people who are young who can rejuvenate the function and who can actually bridge the organizational culture from a past that isn't you know isn't useful anymore and a future that needs to be created and then i think it is really about having a systematic program in place change behaviors and upgrade the cultures culture is always changing but if you want that change to be positive and make the organization healthier and better and stronger you need to be quite systematic and you know there are all these studies that document very clearly that for every dollar you spend in technology you probably need to spend nine on reskilling and upskilling people change management and culture change which no cfo wants to hear but that's the reality so i think ultimately it's always about the human factor and HR functions need to be where the expertise is on the human factor so that we don't say our strategy is great, but our execution fails, or you know our technology is great, but I have an adoption problem and I'm not very good at change management. Because you need to start with the people and the talent first. Absolutely. So, you know, you and I and everyone in this world of AI is aware that we are entering this new era. Everyone's calling it this AI revolution. And we do know that AI has so much positive potential. And we talk about, you know, trustworthy AI and ethics in AI. And in fact, take, for instance, the new New York City local law 144 that went into effect on July 5th this month. Uh, It's kind of the first Mm -hmm. of its kind to regulate AI in the United States. And uh, believe it or not, even the Vatican is getting in on this AI revolution and craze. And they released a handbook defined by the Pope on the ethics of artificial intelligence, uh, Mm -hmm. which I found you know, quite uh, cutting edge. And I really am very curious about how you think we in HR should be thinking about and building the guardrails for the ethical use of AI in our organizations and beyond. Yeah, so I think, you know, I I separate between the R&D and experimentation phase, which should be as um, active and prolific as possible. But then the application of any um, useful findings or insights to real-world practices should be heavily regulated. You can't bank on organizations or people to regulate themselves. And I think regulations are necessary to protect uh, um, uh, candidates, users, um, etc., Look, I feel very optimistic about the fact that even though this is very much like hitting on a moving target and nobody knows for sure how far AI will develop, um, 
you know, at the same time, I think the four or five basic parameters that actually underpin most, most AI ethics guidelines are quite universal. You know, I think um, if you're protecting people's data and you ensure that there is anonymity, if there is informed consent and people have the ability to opt in to using or being the potential beneficiaries of this, uh, if, of course, there is accuracy and fairness in the application for this. And I would say also, if you can increase the uh, prospects that people have, whether they are clients or employees or prospective candidates relative to the status quo, I think, you know, uh, we should feel excited by the prospect. Now, what's really important is that we don't apply double standards, which is often the case, right? Too often, one single AI experiment goes wrong, backfires, and we are shocked and scandalized. But then we're perfectly okay with a status quo that is, you know, really quite dismal. It's a little bit like when self-driving cars crash. You only need one autonomous vehicle to have an accident for people to go, oh my God, I don't want to have self-driving vehicles on the road ever. But when people die every year, courtesy of human drivers, and we're okay with it, you know? So I think we should accept that the goal is not perfection, but better than the status quo, which sadly is often a very low bar. And then we can drive incremental improvements that actually drive progress slowly but steadily and improve things for, again, for organizations, individuals, employees, job seekers, etc. And particularly for people who don't belong to the in-group and who have historically been marginalized, discriminated against, you know, we often blame AI for biases that are inherently human. And it's almost like the more AI resembles humans, the more we dislike it, because we almost don't like what we see when we look at ourselves in the mirror. Very true, very true. So lastly, um, what's your advice for HR professionals who are looking to adopt or learn new technology, especially AI and mm -hmm. you know things like chat GPT? Yeah, I think, you know, be systematic about it. Um, first of all, I think they should start with the why and then move to the what and then get to the how. So why are they interested in this? Not because they, hopefully not because they saw a cover in Time magazine that says AI will bring the end of humanity, which clearly would not make them so interested, but also not because their competitors are doing it or somebody told them. I think you need to start with be very problem-centric what are you trying to improve? Why would you be interested in applying AI? Is it to improve engagement, profitability, creativity, innovation? Is it to reduce costs? Is it to, you know, humanize the workplace? You know, is it out of sheer curiosity? So be very clear about the problem you're trying to solve. Then you can get to the how. And I think you need to be very systematic and ensure that, you know, this isn't an HR experiment, but that is integrated with other functions, that you actually put this know-how that you're building and this intel in the service of the organization by serving specific functions. And then I think, you know, design a systematic program to actually create expertise and know-how and build what I would see as a kind of another HR kind of muscle in the function, you know, which is to understand how to leverage the insights that come from the data that you have 
and to understand how you can free up or unlock human creativity by automating a lot of the stuff that, you know, let's face it, should be standardized or automated. Then it's very important that you bring people along, that you ensure that people are not freaking out, that your managers and employees understand that they're still a critical part of the puzzle and that you have plans for them to be in the loop, but that they will probably need to rethink how they work and the skills they need to develop to not just future-proof themselves, but actually increase the fulfillment and enjoyment that they get from working with you and your organization. So, you know, it's a systematic culture change program that includes reskilling and upskilling and that people need to be taken seriously today. You know, this isn't about I don't know, building uh, dashboards with visualization and putting them in PowerPoint presentations so that you seem more geeky or smarter. This is truly about increasing the efficiency and the talent with which your organization makes decisions and can adapt to a complex and unpredictable future. Wonderful. So um, those were my questions and my next section is the question connection round where our audience and community get to know you a little bit more um who is one person you've gained in your network in the hr tech space or the hr space in the last year that you think more people should know about oh really good question and there are so many but if we're asking about recent i would say well you know she's a fellow academic really but i would say amy edmondson a professor at harvard business school she is most famous for her work on psychological safety but has a book coming out on the smart kind of wrong which is basically how we can learn from failure and, you know, in the last year, I've been working a lot closer with her before I knew her as an academic, but now we're good friends, collaborators. And I would say for any HR leader who is interested, not so much in the tech side of things, but the talent side of things and leadership, she is a very, very good source of insights, knowledge, and a great reference to have. Thank you. And we'll include her contact information in the show notes so our audience can connect with her. Um, what is one HR podcast or HR technology or HR related book other than yours, I human, that you would recommend? Of course, yes. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, I would say, you know, podcast. I'm a big fan of David Green's podcast. He is big in the people analytics space and sort of looks at forward thinking and progressive HR professionals, sometimes academics, sometimes leaders, sometimes um, you know, writers, thinkers, but always with this angle of how we can leverage data to basically harness and unlock human potential. Uh, there's also another podcast that is somewhat HR, but I would say more work and life related by uh, Natalie Nahai. Um, and so uh, you should probably include her as well. Books, you know, many, many. I read a lot of books and typically they're not my book not mine mine so i would say one book that i recently enjoyed a lot is called the most human human by a guy called brian christian and it's a look again at uh, what it means to be human in the age of machines that i enjoyed a lot and it has very wide-ranging implications for hr and organizations the most human human we'll include that in the show notes as well 
Um, any LinkedIn learning or e-learning series for HR or HR tech that you'd recommend for our community? Oh, great question. So I'm not so big on kind of LinkedIn Learn or TED Talks, etc. I try to go directly to kind of either books or papers as, as sources. But I will say that um, there is the Spotify uh, podcast that is released on LinkedIn and on YouTube, uh, I think once a month, maybe even more frequently, which is hosted by Katerina Berg, who is the CHRO at Spotify, and uh, and a couple of uh, other people who are with her, definitely Anne-Marie Rodich, who used to be HR director with a couple of other Swedish firms. It's very good. It's much more of a kind of like inside out look at some of the topics that interest me. So it's very good if you want to see the CHRO or HR director perspective on a lot of these things like inclusion, belonging, culture, talent, leadership, DNI. And uh, I definitely am a fan of that. And I keep up with that and I'm up to date when it comes to following that. I think they're in a break right now, but it's probably resuming in August or September. Wonderful. So given the upheaval of all things work and the upheaval just doesn't seem to be stopping, what's one workplace trend that you think is here to stay? Oh, I think, you know, definitely the focus on human potential and trying to really find the rare find and understand people's talent beyond the conventional, narrow-minded, traditional way, which still, unfortunately, contaminates how organizations think about their people. You know, I think there's going to be an important shift and the trend has, of course, been kickstarted already to move from hard skills to soft skills, resumes to experiences, and to really focus not so much on what people have done in the past, but what people could do in the future. And that would really democratize how we think about talent, focusing more on younger people, less on credentials and qualifications, and more on really the qualities that people bring to a team and organization. And I think this will really diversify and improve the caliber of talent that organizations have. Think about the fact that simultaneously today, you have organizations that complain about their inability to find the right talent and talent or people who complain about their inability to find the right job. So the definition of a bad deal is when both sides think they're losing out. A lot of that can be solved if we actually reimagine human potential and AI will help to do that, but fundamentally it's an HR issue that I see is maturing and improving in its understanding and its ability to solve it. So I'm very optimistic about how things will pan up and pan out in the next five, 10 years. Wonderful. Well, on that note, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? Listen, as you can probably work out, I could talk to you about these things for another seven hours. So that's how I enjoy it. Just simply having the opportunity to share ideas and my thinking, hearing back from people, from your audience and your guests and getting feedback and learning also from what keeps them up at night. Ultimately, I feel very privileged that for me, work doesn't feel like work. It's what I would do even if I didn't get paid, paid to do it, although I'm you know, even more gracious that I do get paid for it. But I think, yeah, just having the opportunity to talk, exchange, 
these comments and really think deeper about how we can improve things, not just for HR, but also for organizations and society as a whole. Wonderful. Well, you've done that today, and I thank you kindly for being on our show and reaching, uh, uh, you know, out to our community with your insights and um, your wonderful, um, you know, suggestions and advice. Um, so, how can our community and audience reach you if they'd like to get in touch with you? Yes, so the best way is if they go to my website, which is Dr. Thomas or D R T O M A S dot com. So Thomas with no H. And there's information there about my papers, my articles, my books, my talks. And they can also reach me and contact me there through the email that is on the website. And if they want to hear more about my latest book, it is I Human AI Automation and the Quest to Reclaim What Makes Us Unique. It was published five months ago or so. And I love to hear from people if they read it or read it, what they think, as I always learn a lot from people's feedback. So that's basically it. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Tomas. And thank you, audience and community for being here today with us. We look forward to bringing you another Tech Byte uh, from the HR community uh, in the near future. Thank you. Thank you.